For everyone else, we'll look at Acts chapter 13 tonight. Acts in chapter 13. And I appreciate your faithfulness in being back in God's house. And I know it's been a busy day for many. And uh, thank you for being here on this important service as we, of course, took some time to remember what Christ did for us. And now we'll look at uh, just a little bit of a passage here in Acts 13. And and we'll see how far we get tonight. I'll make sure I'm mindful of your time and get you out in good time. But, of course, we've, we've seen um, the first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas get sent out from the church of Antioch. And they get to go to Cyprus. And uh, what an amazing journey that was. And then, of course, they got to see the governor of the island, Sergius Paulus, accept Christ as their Savior. Uh, they moved, Of course, they went all throughout the island, as we saw. And then they moved on to Perga. And, of course, we'll see tonight as they journey on to Antioch of Poseidon, of course, Antioch is a very familiar name uh, because one of Caesar Augustus' sons was Antioch, uh, and so he named many cities Antioch, and then, of course, Poseidon was the other name as well. So that's kind of where we're at tonight. He left Antioch, and now we're going to see Paul's first message that he preached, at least that's recorded in Scripture. No doubt he's preached before this, perhaps as he was in the church of Antioch, or maybe as he was in his training in Yours as well. Um, but we see the first recorded message of his tonight and uh, Acts chapter 13. Once you have found that, if you could stand to your feet tonight for the reading of God's Word, if you're physically able to. Uh, if you can't, we understand, but we'll just read just a few verses. Acts in chapter 13 and verse 13, the Bible says, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Pathos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed uh, from Perga, they came to Antioch and Poseidon and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoning. Can you imagine? Do you have any word to say? Well, give me a minute here. Let me, let me, and he does. He lets them have it, all right? Uh, but verse number uh, uh, 15, it says, Say on, then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel, choose you your father, our fathers, and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an high arm brought he them out of it. And then, of course, he gets into his message. And we'll look through some of this tonight. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for loving us. You sure are a great God. Uh, thank you for this opportunity we have to be in your house. Thank you for the great crowd back tonight. And what an amazing thing that is. And it shows uh, these dear people's love for you. And Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you for blessing our church in such an mighty way. Thank you for the wonderful heritage it has. From the almost 40 years, Lord, in next September of just faithfully reaching and loving people. Thank you for all those who serve today, Lord, in the Sunday school class, in the junior church, in the nursery, Lord, greeting, uh, welcoming people in, Lord, sitting beside people and smiling and shaking hands and, Lord, being a part of a class, Lord, being a part of cleaning and, or preparing for the Lord's Supper tonight and serving it and, Lord, all that's been done. And I know these people are tired. They've had a long day, and they're here. And it's my prayer, Lord, that I believe they've already been helped by the Lord's Supper time, but Lord, they'll learn something else that will challenge them, that will come from, that will encourage them, that will strengthen them. Lord, may you help me to get out of the way, and you just fill me, and you speak through me like you would have me to say. We'll give you all the praise and glory for it. You're a good God, and thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You may be seated. As the missionary team sailed across the Mediterranean Sea, they came first to Cyprus, where they had their first convert, and then they go to Perga. And ironically, in verse number 13, the, the Bible doesn't say really much from Perga. They just go there for a little bit, and uh, perhaps maybe nothing significant happening, or maybe uh, just the, nothing was recorded there. Now, we do see later on in Scripture that they do go to Perga, and they do preach the gospel. And of course, Perga was a place that was not too far off the, uh, the ocean there, and it was not a desirable place to go. It was not a vacation area like Cyprus. It was more of agabons and, and pirates, and, and really the, probably the biggest form of commerce and trade was uh, pirating or, or, or thieves. And, and so they, of course, left that area, and they go up, up to Antioch. And um, we see tonight several responses from the Word of God as it's scattered into this region. And I want us to see the several responses and then see maybe what response we can have. This probably most likely will be a two-part sermon tonight, but I want to get into uh, verse number 15 that we saw there. The Bible says, say on. What in the world? How did Paul get this amazing opportunity to say on? Well, number one, if you're writing tonight, I just have three points. We see the invitation to preach the word, the invitation to preach the word. We see the desire of Paul in verse 13. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pampilia, and we see that Barnabas and Paul have a desire. The desire of Paul is to continue on the mission, to continue on the mission. Though God had done some great things in Cyprus, they wanted to continue to reach people and reach areas for Jesus Christ. And may I say tonight, though God allows you to maybe lead someone to Christ, may we never forget that there's more people that need to hear about Jesus. And that's why we're here. We see to continue on the mission. Of course, he knows what the Bible says and what Jesus' last words were, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, not just to continue on the mission, but to care for the regions of Galatia, to care for the regions of Galatia. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And it is a power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This region was a hub. It was an area, a colony, of course, that many Jews had come to throughout the years. And some believe there's over 2,000 Jews in this city. And this colony here had become an important part on the Roman road there. And there was much commerce there and much people would come and go. And so as Paul Manor was, he went where the people were. And, and so he goes to this important place, which eventually becomes a hub where the gospel continues to shoot out, but he goes not just for the Jews, but many Greeks also were open to the gospel. And so we see the desire of Paul, but then we also see in verse 13, the departing of John. The Bible says there in verse number 13, and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. Of course, we established last week that Paul and Barnabas probably had several people that went with them, and Paul rarely went alone, uh, mainly for the purpose of safety. And uh, oftentimes they would even wait a little bit longer to go with the caravan because they did not want to face the thieves and robbers alone. But also Paul took people with him because he wanted to disciple them. And so we're thankful tonight for anybody that takes the time to disciple us. And may we take the time as well to invest in others. But we see that Paul here is going on and going forward. And John Mark says, hey, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. 
Now, why is that? Well, some say that the first part was kind of like a honeymoon. Cyprus was, everybody was excited to see them. They saw Sergius Paulus accept Christ, this governor. And now the real problem comes. And perhaps maybe in Perga, John said, wait a minute here. This is not what I'm about. I'm going to back to Jerusalem. Perhaps he was homesick. Perhaps he resented the change in leadership as we see Barnabas was the leader and now Paul has evidently become the leader because God used him to cast out, uh, to blind uh, the, the sorcerer Lamus last week. And God's hand was obviously on Paul and he's taken the lead now. And Barnabas, of course, submits and takes a step back. And it's an important uh, uh, lesson for us all that no matter who God chooses to you, let's make sure God just gets the glory. And so Barnabas, of course, takes a step back. But John Mark maybe didn't like the change in leadership. Maybe he would rather be under Barnabas than Paul, or maybe he became ill. Of course, Paul mentions this in Galatians 4, verse 13. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. We know that Antioch Poseidon was in the Galatia region. And so we see Paul was sick, and many believe in Perga. He may have even contracted malaria. And, uh, of course, the commentator said Jewish history has, has alluded to this as well. And so Paul continues on, even with malaria, to go on the trail. And perhaps John was ill and he turned to go back. He, perhaps he was unable to withstand the rigors of the journey. Uh, Barclay says this, and do you have the map of, of the, the map there, Brother Cole? If you can put that on whenever you get a chance. He said, one of the amazing things about Acts is the heroism that is passed over in a sentence. And just a phrase alone in chapter 13, when Paul loosed from Pathos and came to Perga and Papilia, and John departed them, returning uh, to Jerusalem. And, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch. It's just a sentence, but it's an interesting sentence. What he doesn't show is, is of course, um, I don't know how good you can see it there. I'm sorry. But anyways, there we have their uh, Pathos. We see Perga uh, just to the left of the cross in the screen. And then up, of course, at the top there underneath Galatia, across from Asia is Antioch. It's about 138 miles. And so they had to go 3,600 feet up the mountain. Do you have a picture of the mountain there? And uh, this is actually the mountain that Paul went over. And so can you imagine doing that with maybe even a case of malaria, maybe even a little ill? But he goes forward and he takes Barnabas with him and he says, all right, John, Mark, let's go. And John says, I'm not going over that. Maybe, I don't know. But there was a rigorous journey. It was going to be a dangerous journey. And when they cross the terrace range of the mountains, it's one of the hardest roads in Asia Minor, Ibid says. And W.M. Cowder says, it is also notorious for robbers and brigands. And it is turbulent and warlike people there in the mountains, given to robbery and pillage. So perhaps when Paul and Barnabas are going to go up this mountain, and maybe even not as the best health, John Mark says, I, I can't make it to that mountain, and I know it's dangerous, and this is just too much for me. If we were going to stay in Cyprus, maybe I'd follow along, maybe not. We don't know exactly why he returned. Many people have speculated. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 26, and journeyings often, and Perils of waters, and perils of robbers, and perils of mine own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness, and faithfulness, and painfulness, and watching often, and hunger, and thirst, and fastings often, and cold, and nakedness. This is what the missionary journey was reality. And perhaps maybe John Mark was a little squeamish, as maybe you and I would be too at times. And But we see Paul and Barnabas, we're going to continue on. 
Paul later accused John Mark of lacking courage and commitment. We see chapter 15, verses 37 and 38. So, though we say, well, why are you being so hard on John? Well, we see that Paul was a little hard on him. Now, aren't you thankful later that John Mark was restored and actually became very valuable to Paul? And though maybe you're not ready to take that next step in your faith, may I say, don't give up and just keep on going forward. And may we also be patient with those who aren't ready to go with us. Oh, bless God, I'm more, hard, more hardcore and I'm more of a Christian than you. No, maybe you just are at a place where you've learned to trust God more. Maybe God's still working on them. But may we continue to love on people and meet them where they're at and help them lead them forward for the cause of Christ. And so we see tonight, uh, uh, John Mark leaves, but Paul continues forward. I read a story about a man who was in the lonely outpost of Northwest Canada. He was a missionary. He went to logging camps. He went to construction crews and to mining villages and was in probably the most toughest people to evangelize in the Canadian West. He was traveling north one day along a lonely road and he came upon a house and it was his policy to stop at every wayside cabin and leave a cheery greeting and then a gospel track and a word of testimony and see what God would do with it and On his journey, he came at length to such a cottage and surrounded by a fence and barred by an iron gate that bore the warning, Beware of the dog. Oh, the missionary wasn't daunted. He unlatched the gate and the dog appeared. It was massive and fierce. It showed its formidable teeth and growled. The missionary paused and considered, like I would. But instead of doing what I would do, he kept on going. Okay. It showed its formidable teeth, and the missionary continued on, and prudence told him to omit the house. Conscience told him to go ahead and trust the Lord. At length, after a word of prayer, he carefully opened the gate and stepped inside. The dog menaced him. He ignored it and slowly, but deliberately, made his way to the house. The dog followed, snarling and threatening at his heels. He arrived at the door, but before he could knock, it opened, and a woman stood there, and a loaded gun in her hands. The missionary greeted her and offered her one of his papers. She eyed him up and down as she took it. The story goes, Mister, she said, can't you read? He admitted that he could. (laughs) Didn't you see the sign? Beware of the dog, she demanded. He confessed and said, yes, yes, I saw it. He said he had hardly seen anything else but that sign. Mister, she said, that dog is trained to kill. I live here alone when my husband is away. That dog is my protection. He's a killer. Only last week he killed a bear. But I'll take one of your papers and I'll read it. And mister, next time, you better pay attention to the sign. And telling me of the incident, the missionary said this. He told his friend, he said, I had to go up to that house. Because if I'd backed down there, I'd have backed down everywhere, every time. There was a difficult place. Now may I say tonight, use wisdom when you share the gospel. But I think it helps us all see that when you say no to the Holy Spirit's prompting, you could continue to say no. And we see Paul here was willing to go through this difficult mountain journey. He was willing to face the robbers. He was willing to face the... The, 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 the warlike people. He was 
willing to, to even travel, though he wasn't maybe feeling the best. He was willing to brave the cold. He was willing to go. And because he went, we see later a miraculous thing happened. But before we go there, we see the direction of the, comp- the company. Verse number 14. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Poseidon and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Of course, they made it there safely. Perga was a coastal harbor city where the ship from Pathos came to Midland, and Antioch and Poseidon was 135 miles inland to the north. And of course, they went across that and went into the Galatia region. Merrill Unger said, in bringing the gospel to Poseidon and Antioch, Paul and Barnabas were planting Christianity in the communication nerve center and the heart of Asia Minor. Paul was willing to take that risk, but he knew if he could get through and if he knew if he could share the gospel, it would be a, a, a place where it would be the heart where it could just spread and God could do something great. We then see the donation of the rulers in verse 15. And after reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Homer Kent says this, There was, of course, a practical matter involved. If they had begun evangelizing among Gentiles first, the synagogue would have been close to them. So it seems like Paul favored the Jews and would only go to the Jews, but he knew that if he went to the Gentiles first, the Jews would never listen to him. But if he goes to the Jews first, the Gentiles would listen regardless if he went to them first. And so he goes to the Jews first, and he goes to the the synagogue, and of course the reading of the law was happening, and a typical first century synagogue service would have included several things. Do you have the picture of the synagogue up there? Okay, if you can put that up there. Uh, um, you can kind of see, I, I, it's kind of grainy, but you can kind of see maybe how a synagogue would have been. The courtyard, you see the pulpit there, you see the entrance, you see the women's and children gallery would be upstairs. And of course, probably uh, the God-fears of the Gentiles would probably be up there as well. There was the ark, the tabernacle, there are scrolls of picture. So you can kind of see a little bit of what the synagogue would be. And, and, and a list of uh, uh, the synagogue would be the Shema. They'd start off with getting every together, a declaration of faith saying something like, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, of course, we see that several times in Scripture. And then it would follow with a corporate prayer called the Shemana Ezra. And then we see they would read from the Torah or the law. They'd read a passage from the first five books of Moses. And as they were doing it, a short lesson would probably come out and be delivered by somebody there. And, of course, we see this happening. And and typically, when someone would come through, a visitor or a guest that, that could speak, they would allow them to speak. And so we see the request for Paul to speak, and we see the first recorded sermon. Now, it probably was longer than what's in our scripture, because you can read this through in about a minute. I have a hard time believing Paul only spoke for a minute. We see here he has the opportunity to preach, and we see that as he preached, I'm sure this. Uh, 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 exhortation he would preach would cut through hearts as Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick and quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Of course, as First Peter reminds us, we all should be ready to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh to have a reason the hope with his in you and meekness and fear. Paul just wasn't waiting for opportunities to come up to be able to share his faith. I find it interesting that Paul was looking for opportunities. He was seeking people who needed to hear about Jesus. 
And oftentimes if we wait for someone to ask us how to get to heaven, that could take years and years and years. But when we seek people out, it's amazing how God can use us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul stands up in verse 16 and beckons with his hand. Can you imagine seeing Paul up there as he stands up? Of course, it's custom to sit there on the floor, but he stands up as Jesus did and Luke, and he stands up and he starts uh, teaching and he beckons with his hand and says, Men of Israel, and he says, Ye that fear God, and he's addressing the Jews first, Men of Israel, and of course, I'm sure that resonated with them and they listened, and then he said, Ye that fear God, and probably, as one commentary said, one of the first times that those God-fearers were even noticed, or even asked, or even invited to come and listen. And so already there's probably a stirring there in the Jewish temple as, as the gospel is starting to be preached, not just for the Jews. And Paul was trying to say, hey, ye God-fearers, you Gentiles, you women and children, hey, this is not just for the Jewish men, this is for you too. Could you imagine how interested they had become, maybe? And how they are listening as Paul is preaching the gospel. So we see, first of all, the invitation of the word. And second of all, I want us to see tonight the indoctrination of the word. The indoctrination of the word. And we see the preparation of the Messiah. Verses 17 through 22. We won't read all through Paul's message tonight, even though I encourage you to to do sometime. But we see that Ray Stedman says it starts off in verse 17 similar to how Stevens had started off. And he said perhaps maybe Paul started the same way because that message that Stephen preached was still resonating home to him. He never forgot that. It's interesting tonight, as Stephen got up to preach, he probably had no idea the impact his message would have. And as he's in heaven, of course, and probably looking down, he sees as Paul is sharing the gospel in Galatia. May I say tonight, you never know who you're impacting for the cause of Christ. You never know what God's doing. But we know for a fact that the gospel will not return void. And that's powerful. And so we see, as Ray Stedman continues to say, there's several different things here that Paul is trying to bring his Jewish hearers in. In verses 17 through 22, he talks about how the God of this Israel uh, chose our fathers and how he brought them out out of Egypt. And then we see the 40 years they suffered in the wilderness. And then he talks about how he destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan and divided their land by lot. And then verse 20, he gave them unto judges about the space of 450 years, really a quarter of the years of, of the scripture. He talks about in just that one phrase and he brings up several things until Samuel the prophet. And then they desired a king and God gave them Saul. And then, and then in verse 22, he raised unto David. And so he leads up to David and they all would have known and probably up to this point, they're loving the message and they're excited about it. And then Paul takes them on another journey. He then we see the proclamation of the Messiah. He gets into verse 23. It was made by John the Baptist. Of course, as John MacArthur said, John's ministry was well known to Paul's hearers. He was already had followers in Asia Minor then. And some of John's the Baptist followers had made their way probably up to Antioch. And so they knew what Paul was talking about. It was made by John the Baptist, of course, as he had announced that Jesus Christ was coming in Malachi 3, 1, Isaiah 40, verse 3. And then he says there in verse number uh, 20. Uh, uh, three, he says, of this man's seed hath God, uh, 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 
raised into Israel a Savior Jesus when John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance. And as John fulfilled this course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me in whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to lose. Why would John say that? Well, back in those days, one of the worst things you could do as a rabbi, they abused their power. And they actually made their disciples untie their sandals. And it was such a humbling thing to do. But it finally came to a point where it was agreed upon that that was not a good idea. It's probably too much, as David Guzik says. But John says, I am not even worthy to do the worst thing possible to a disciple, to unlatch the sandals. I am not even worthy to do that for Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, one of the greatest preachers, said, I am not even worthy to unloose the sandals of Jesus. May I encourage us today to always stay humble and grateful for what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so we see tonight it was not just made known by Paul, this proclamation, but even uh, of John the Baptist, but even it was manifested by Paul in verse 26. We see again, uh, the Bible says, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So now Paul says, hey, not just you Jews and men and children, whoever hears, there's salvation for you and for me. Could you imagine? Probably you could almost hear a pin drop. And perhaps as we saw that picture earlier in the synagogue, probably packed with people. And as they hear this man they'd never met before get up and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and says, hey, this isn't just for you, man. It's for everybody. I'm sure there's a little hum maybe in the crowd. There's a little gas, maybe a little excitement. We see Acts 2, verse 24, perhaps Paul said, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Of course, Paul in Romans 1, 4, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of the holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. We see Paul is willing to say, hey, John the Baptist kept his ministry going, and I have kept my ministry going, and I did it because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, talk about running a good race. Know ye not that they which run in the race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul says, hey, I have to stay faithful in my race. I have to keep on going. Jack Andrews said, why do people give up on the work of the Lord? Why do people drop out of the service of the Lord? Because they can get distracted. That's why Jesus said, love not the world. They can get discouraged because they see no fruit, no appreciation, no applause. And they can get depleted, ministering for the Lord without being ministered to by the Lord. May I say today, we all can start off our race well. But we can also lose our race if we become distracted, discouraged, or depleted. May we stay on point. May we stay close to God. And may we allow Him to use us to be faithful in our race. We then see the pardon of the Messiah in verse 38. We see His contribution in verse 37. But He whom God raised again saw no corruption, be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, through this man is preaching to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified. 
from which you could be justified by the law of Moses. Could you imagine they've heard about the law much? But they're hearing about justify. They're hearing about forgiveness. They're hearing about Jesus Christ coming. And, and the, perhaps they're being confused and they're trying to figure out. And as John Phillips said on the law of Moses, the law could not justify the guilty person. The law could corner him, convict him, condemn him. But it could never cancel a sin. Perhaps up to that point, they've struggled hard with the law. And the God-fearers are, are trying to figure out and the reason why they haven't become Jews is because they're not willing to be circumcised. And perhaps they're wondering, they're hearing all these things and thinking, what do we do? And then for the first time, they hear the forgiveness of sin, that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross. And they get excited and things are starting to come together and, and they're very interested and they see the contribution for, from Jesus. We're reminded in Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with them, having forgiven all your trespassers, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us. And once again, I'm reminded why we do the Lord's Supper tonight, because we're thankful for the blotting out that Jesus Christ's blood did for our sins, for your sins and mine. And so we see that contribution of Jesus. Jack Andrews said, Thank God for this conjunction. They, the Jews, did their worst to him, but God did their best for them. Aren't you thankful that even though we do our worst to God sometimes, he gave us his best. And because he gave us his best, even in our worst state, he still wants to save us. He still wants us to know that he loves us. He still came for you and for me. And that brings us to our choice. Verse 41, behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish for our work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And now they have a choice to make. What are they going to choose? Something they've believed all their life? Or this man who comes, and not just any man, they, they hear the truth and they're drawn to it. Hebrews 2, 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? May I encourage you today that you too can hear the good news and still reject it. May you come to Christ tonight. I know it's a Sunday night and many of you, if not all of you, know Christ. But if you do not know Jesus Christ, he came for you and for me. He loves you. And you may have been living the law and doing everything you can, but it still doesn't justify you. You maybe have gone to church and you've read your Bible and you've even prayed and you've done something good. You've given some money to someone. You've tried to help the poor. You've done all these good things, but you still feel empty and lost. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. May I encourage you tonight to come to Jesus Christ. I'll never forget the day when I realized that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And I gave my life to Christ and it changed my life forever. So I encourage you tonight, you also have a choice. It reminds me about a young man in America and he was at work on his farm one day and he was careless about religion. In fact, nobody would say a word to him about it because he would just shut him down. He had no Bible and only worldly friends. There seemed to be little chance that he'd ever hear of Christ and salvation of heaven and hell. But one particular day, it was a bright morning in early summer, he had to take his cart drawn by oxen down the road, and he was thinking of nothing except his daily work and daffy bread, and a gentle breeze was blowing. As he went along, it stirred a little piece of paper which had been lying by the roadside so that it fluttered in front of him. But on went the young man, the ox and the cart, all the same. When he had gone a short way, 
However, a thought came to him. I wonder what that bit of paper was. I have a great mind to go back and see. So he stopped his team. And he went back and he picked it up. And he read it as he walked along. It was a leaf out of a Bible. The summer passed away with its flowers and sunshine. And the corn grew ripe and was gathered in the garner. There was another harvest standing ready for the sickle. The young man who found the leaf lay upon a sick and dying bed. A sore disease had smitten him. His parents knew there was no hope for him. They were stricken with grief. But oh, he was rejoicing. And now his lips are open to tell them what he had never told his Christian's parents before. The leaf out of the Bible had brought him to the first sense of sin and then the knowledge of a Savior. Because he had this drawing, this little leaflet, he decided to get a whole Bible. He got that Bible, and ever since it had been his constant companion. And now, though he's almost ready to die, he had the greatest joy he ever had. Because of, by chance, a floating leaf from Scripture had come upon him. He made the choice, though, to invite Jesus in his life. My dear friend tonight, you have a choice as well. Many of you, no doubt, have chosen the right choice. But if you have not, may you come to Jesus today. And so, of course, just like we have a choice, these dear people had a choice. As they hear Paul, and as the synagogue, I'm sure, was disrupted, and as they were wondering, maybe a buzz, or maybe there's a little bit of chatter, or maybe people were wondering, what is going on? This comes to the conclusion of Paul's message. And I want us to notice lastly, and it's my shortest point, so don't worry. The immersion of the word, the immersion of the word. The gospel is the power of God, and it will always have explosive effects. Verse 42, we see they desired the word. Could you imagine? After that long journey, that arduous journey up to Poseidon, almost dying maybe, or maybe having some close calls or maybe almost freezing to death or maybe still a little sick. And can you imagine if he really did have malaria and still had the effects of it and still preached this mighty message? What an amazing determination Paul had. I wonder if he was wondering as he got in that synagogue that day and had a, someone say, say on if you have something to say. And so he did and he poured his heart out and he wondered how will they respond? Well, we see in verse 42, of chapter number 13, and when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. We see a group of people, immersion of the word through the desiring of the word. First Peter 2, 2 and 3, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Could you imagine as Paul walked out of that synagogue and people started following after him and said, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, where are you going? Can you tell us more? I'm sure Paul was excited as he said, well, the Jews said, say on, you're asking for more. Don't worry, the word of God, there's much more for you. Aren't you thankful tonight that we just don't have one passage of scripture? The Lord gave us the whole Bible. And it's always there. It never is enough. There's always more and there's always more room to grow and soak up the desiring of the word, but also the determinedness to hear the word. The Bible says, verse 43, not just did they say, besought him. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. 
We see they're determined to hear the word. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of Christ is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And probably for the first time in their life, they are feeling the power of God and saying, hey, we want to hear more. Is church, is church time yet? We've got to wait another week? Can we hear more? And then we see they displayed change. The Bible says the last part of verse 43, they persuaded. They persuaded. Isn't it interesting tonight how these people wanted more of Scripture? They wanted more. Someone gave the illustration of Scripture to that of a tea bag. Hearing God's word is like one dip of the tea bag into the cup. It's absorbed by the water, but it needs a little more soaking. By reading, studying, and memorizing God's word, it's like additional plunges of the tea bag into the water. Meditation, however, is like immersing the bag completely and letting it steep until all the rich tea flavors are extracted and the hot water is thoroughly tinctured reddish-brown. Thus, we might say that the tea colors the water. Meditation, likewise, colors our thinking. And when we meditate on Scripture, it colors our thinking about God, about His ways, His world, and about ourselves. We see these people responded to the Word of God by immersing themselves into it. May I encourage you today to decide, like Paul, to search out for people to tell about Jesus. I know it's a common thread here, but I told my wife this the other day. I said, I feel like uh, as I preach through the New Testament, it all comes back to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we not get tired of hearing about that. May we be consistent in sharing our faith. And then the indoctrination of the word. May we allow the word of God to indoctrinate us and to change our thinking to the point where we want to be immersed into the Word of God. Have you made a choice to choose Christ? If you have, let the Word of God immerse in your heart. May you desire the Word, may you be determined to hear the Word, and may you display change that the Word of God is making in your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. Tonight, Lord, as we come to you, I'm thinking maybe there could be someone here today that has made a choice in their heart. They're at a T in the road. Maybe there's someone tonight that would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. You talked about the gospel. You talked about what Jesus did for me. I've tried the law. I've tried other things. I've tried church. I've, I've tried uh, good things. I've tried philosophy. I've tried books. And now I realize tonight what Jesus Christ did for me on Calvary. And if he'll let me, I want to accept Christ as my Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand tonight? I will not embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Say, Pastor Justin, I need Jesus in my life. Say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. I need to let the word of God indoctrinate my heart more. I want to be hungry for God's word. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me that God will allow me to be indoctrinated with the word of God more? If that's you tonight, we slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. That's why we have different service times. That's why we have Sunday school classes. That's why we have encourage you to get in your devotions with God so you can be indoctrinated with God's word. Maybe there's someone tonight like Paul who's willing to go forward and maybe you're like John where you're struggling. You're not there. You're not ready. But maybe God's touched your heart to take that next step of faith and sharing the gospel. Maybe someone tonight would say, Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? that I'll, I'll have that ability, that boldness to go forward for the cause of Christ and not shrink back like John Mark. Will you pray for me, Pastor, if that's you, we slip your hand. God bless you, I see those hands. And then last but not least, how many would say, Pastor Justin, not only do I want to be indoctrinated with the word, 
I want to be immersed with it. I want to be desiring of it. I want to be determining to hear it. And I want the word of God to change my life as God would see fit. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? So many. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. I appreciate the response from your people. Lord, this message tonight, Lord, is, is just a bunch of alliterated points that I tried to put together. But in all reality, it's your word being preached. And Lord, thank you for Paul writing this for us. Thank you for you and you, Lord, giving him the words to say. Lord, thank you for his example. Lord, may it change our life. May, Lord, we be invited constantly to share the word of God because we're going. May people, Lord, who's searching, we find, we tell about you. Or may we allow your word to indoctrinate us and change us. And may it change us so much that we want to be immersed with it. And that we'll desire to be by it. And we'll allow it to change our life. Lord, so many have raised their hand tonight a way you touch their, their heart. Or may we respond to the message. Or may we come forward and just spend some time with you tonight. And allow you to work in our heart tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano's going to play. The altar's open. If God's touched your heart tonight, may I encourage you to come forward and make a decision for Christ. And maybe you'd like to in your pew, and that's fine. But may I encourage you to spend some time with God tonight. The Lord wants to do a mighty work in your heart. He wants to help you. He wants to change your life with His Word. He wants to indoctrinate you. He wants you to go and to tell more people about Jesus Christ. May I encourage you to spend a moment tonight in prayer with God as the piano plays. God bless you. If you can be seated, I just, we won't keep you much longer. We have about a two minute video. We want to share with you some upcoming events so you know what's going on and so that you can be a part and serve as you're able to. We're going to watch that video and then we'll be on our way tonight. Service Ministry meets monthly on Wednesday at 1 p.m. at the Forest Creek Park Lodge in Oregon City. This is a potluck luncheon, so please bring a dish to share. We will have a great time of fellowship while we learn more about our missionaries, college students, and homebound church members. We will have the chance to be an encouragement to them at our meeting. Please consider joining us and bringing a friend with you. Don't miss our Pie and Pray service on Wednesday, November 22nd at 7 p.m. Come and enjoy a slice of pie as we celebrate all that we have to be thankful for this year. Grandview Christian Academy will be holding a special benefits concert on Tuesday, November 28th at 7 p.m. Come support our fall fundraiser as we enjoy the musical performances of our students. 
Churchwide Outreach will meet Saturday, November 18th at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and help us as we endeavor to make a difference in our area for Christ. Join us for a wonderful opportunity to help your child sing and develop their voices through our 2023 Children's Christmas Choir. This is for children 5 years old through 6th grade. We will be performing during the Love Was Born a King program on December 8th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 10th at 11 a.m. Bring your children to the Sunday evening services at 5 for practice. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you'll receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7. Thank you so much. Some of you drove a little bit farther tonight to be here at church and and I appreciate it and I know the Lord is is thankful you're here but I hope you know we love you, we appreciate you. If I could just ask one little favor, Uh, Brother Steve Wilkins does such a great job preparing the um, Lord's Supper for us Um, but if a few of uh, us men maybe or leaders can help him, can you raise your hand Brother Steve and he's back here in the back, maybe see him tonight, we want to help clean up, we have a deacons meeting tonight and we want to help him with that so if you can do that. God bless you all, you are dismissed. (laughs) 